It's episode 10. 10 episodes. I cannot believe that there are 10 episodes of this podcast because I never thought I would have a podcast. I always knew that I wanted something like a podcast, but I'm not sure I ever really thought I would do it. Thank you so much for being here, especially if you're one of the ones who's listened to every single episode. I appreciate you so much. I'm having a lot of fun and uh, honestly, I'm proud of myself for sticking to it every single week and not missing any weeks, even though um, as with anyone's mental health and mood, it's been it's been up and down in my personal life, but but we're here. So thank you so much. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Anxious Creators Unite podcast. I'm Sadie, and I'm recovering from social anxiety and perfectionism. This podcast is all about what it's like to be on a mental health journey and what it's like to share that journey online. I hope that the time you spend listening helps you feel a little less alone on your own journey. We're in this together because talking about mental health matters. So let's talk. Okay, so today I want to answer a lot of questions that I've gotten on Instagram. Um, If you follow me on Instagram and you happen to have attended the virtual tea party that we had, I think it was last month, we did talk about these questions, but not everybody can attend live Instagrams. They're not always the easiest things to rewatch and these were great questions. So I really wanted to also have the questions and the answers on the podcast. And yeah, so I thought episode 10 would be fun to do that on. So I'm just going to jump right into them. And I can't wait to hear what you guys think. All right. They're all mental health questions, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Question number one, do you ever doubt your diagnoses? Do you find yourself thinking you have every disorder in the book? Okay, so my official diagnoses are from 2018. It's possible that they've changed, but I haven't been re-diagnosed. But at that time, um, I was diagnosed with severe social anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, perfectionism, and I think it was persistent, mild, depressive disorder with low self-esteem and provisional major depression. I think provisional because possibly because I wasn't showing enough of the or checking off enough of the boxes for it to be a clear diagnosis. I'm not 100% sure. And then also um, body focused repetitive behavior because I would pick my cuticles a lot, which I kind of still do. So uh, I don't, I didn't doubt those those diagnoses because the assessment process was pretty in-depth. Um, lots of questionnaires, meeting with, an, um, I guess, a mental health nurse. I'm not sure what the title would be. Meeting with a psychiatrist. So I, and also just the diagnoses seemed to fit the symptoms I was having once I started looking into social anxiety Um, yeah, I was pretty sure that, that that's what I had. Um, perfectionism surprised me. I didn't really think of myself as a perfectionist because I'm pretty disorganized 
and I procrastinate and I'm a little bit messy and I fly by the seat of my pants and make things on time but often by doing it in a frenzy um, the day before or something like that. Um, but actually those are all characteristics of um, a perfectionist because perfectionism makes you so overwhelmed and makes you think that you can't start until it's the perfect time or you've got the perfect system in place or you've got the perfect process or you know everything has to be perfect before you can do anything so we have messy houses we have um last minute uh, projects and and like all these things that i thought were just that i was a lazy person are actually related to perfectionism so that was that all right question number two how do you know when you're coming out of depression or anxiety besides a lessening of the symptoms? I had to think about this question a little bit to um, understand what I think you're, you're getting at, which is, I think, if you're not feeling depressed or anxious, how do you know that you're coming out of depression or anxiety, if that makes sense? And I think one way to approach that might be finding a way to track your mental health or your mood. Like if you look online for mood trackers, there's a bunch of different ways or things that you could print out or probably even apps where every day you enter either a color for the mood that you're, you're like how you're feeling that day or you answer some questions. And then if you do that consistently, you get a bigger picture of how you're doing day to day, week to week. And it lets you track it in a way that is a little bit more, maybe not objective, but a little bit more detailed than just asking yourself how you feel now and then. Because I think mental health, not just mental health struggles, just, just like human mood swings can be very unpredictable. They can be all over the place. It's hard to be objective about them. So yeah, mood tracker. That said... I don't track my mood as much as I should. I know that I should be doing it every day, especially because I've stopped therapy. It would be a really good way for me to get um, a heads up if my mood is starting to consistently go downhill, for example. So I'm just, I'm, honestly, I'm just a little bit scatterbrained these days and having trouble keeping healthy habits that I know I should be keeping and like having a mood tracker is one of the ones that I want to do. So that's a work in progress for me right now. Uh, next question. After depression, will past triggers come up and cause anxiety again? I want to be done with a lot of these triggering things. Um, well, the beginning of your question is after depression. So that could be interpreted as after you've recovered from depression or maybe after you've done some therapy for depression. Um, and if that's the case, then ideally you will have learned coping skills for depression or anxiety, um, ways to manage anxious thoughts, ways to manage mood and all of those things. So I think like therapy doesn't erase the triggers because life is unpredictable as we've seen in 2020 there's always going to be 
ups and downs. So the triggers will probably still be there and you may be aware of them and they may remind you of past times that that you were really affected by them. But hopefully you'll have the tools and um, more resiliency to deal with them without getting completely derailed in your progress. Um, but, you know, a trigger is, is a trigger for a reason. It is still hard. So be gentle with yourself if it does come up and you are struggling. It's not like you do therapy and then you're, you're perfect. You're mentally perfect and nothing can phase you. So just, just be gentle with yourself and, and keep working at it because, you know, life, life has its ups and downs. Okay, next question. What inspired your Instagram and podcast? That's a nice question. Thank you. Um, I started my Instagram in 2018-ish when I was doing therapy for social anxiety because I wanted to... Actually, I started the, a blog first. It was blushyginger.com. And it was just every week I would write about therapy that week in... Um, an anonymous way because like obviously I can't be writing about the other people in therapy I wasn't anonymous but I didn't give names or details about anybody else I just shared my own experiences and I really enjoyed doing that I've always wanted to be a writer some sort of creator and that seemed like a good place to start and then at some point I started the Instagram account as well and then it just kind of went from there I just I found something that I could write about consistently, really enjoyed it, was starting to make friends on social media and, you know, get good feedback. It felt like I was coming out of my shell. So I just kept doing it. And eventually the podcast started, well, 10 episodes, we're 10 episodes in now. And it, it, it was important to me to try a podcast because a podcast is exclusively my own voice. And I haven't used my voice the way that I've wanted to. Anxiety has been such a barrier, um, like most of my life. So the thought that somebody who had severe social anxiety, you know, a couple of years ago could then start her own podcast. I just really wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. And hopefully anyone else who's listening who wants to do it as well. I just want to show that you can do it if you want to. I'm not perfect and I'm certainly not comfortable all the time, but I just got tired of waiting to feel ready. I got tired of waiting until I wasn't scared anymore. So I just did it <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Um, okay. Since I'm a mother, what is something I want to teach my children about anxiety? Another good question. Um, for a long time, I thought I had to do everything in my power to prevent them from getting anxiety, from having anxiety, from having any kind of mental health issues. Shield them, basically, because I felt so vulnerable as a kid, having, as a teen, I guess, having these struggles, but not knowing how to deal with them. But more recently, I think I've shifted to realizing that no, I, it's not, my job is not to prevent them from having any of these negative experiences or even in like mental health struggles, anxiety. I like to a certain extent, I guess I can't control that. My job is to give them the tools that I didn't have 
um, and the awareness that I didn't have and the self-compassion, like teach them all the things that will let them deal with whatever life throws at them. I want to teach them that I want to teach them to be resilient so that it doesn't matter what life throws at them, that they can handle it. And if they're not handling it, then they have the awareness and insight to look for help or to reach out. And yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a tall order when I say it all like that. But I just want to give them the tools to look after themselves because I can't bubble wrap them as much as I used to wish I could. Yeah. Okay. Um, do I drink alcohol? Yes. Maybe like once a week I'll have cider. Twice a week if my husband's out of town. I'm very careful with alcohol because, you know, alcohol lowers inhibitions. And as someone with social anxiety and perfectionism, I'm quite inhibited. So when I have alcohol, it lowers the inhibitions and I actually feel more like myself, which like is probably true for everybody. Everybody likes to go out. Well, not everybody likes to go out drinking, but you know, you go out drinking, you feel good. There's a reason people do it. But um, for a lot of reasons, I'm very afraid of becoming dependent on alcohol. I definitely don't want to get into a pattern of self-medicating with alcohol, uh, especially because I'm already on actual medication. So I do drink, but I don't have a completely comfortable relationship with alcohol. I have a lot of hang-ups and fears about it. So it's just something that's always an ever, I have an ever evolving relationship with alcohol. And then the other thing I'll say is that since starting my most recent medication that I added on, which is Zoloft is the brand name, Sertraline is the generic name. I take that one in, in the evening with dinner. And I found that since I started that, if I have a drink in the evening, I get quite nauseated. So like I can have one drink with a meal, but if I have anything else, it, it seems to affect me a lot more than it did before I started that medication. So I guess the short answer is yes, I drink alcohol. <laughs> Favorite comfort meal? That's a fun question. I would have to say that it is my husband's homemade spaghetti sauce because it is so good. It makes the house smell amazing, tastes so good, and then we just have a bunch of it in the freezer so I don't have to cook, which is also awesome. How has your family responded to your anxiety? That's a good question. Um, I haven't really talked about it with my siblings. We don't live close together. Um, my dad and my stepmom are probably the most aware and they're the ones that most actively follow me, like my blog and my podcast and Instagram. And they've been super supportive. My dad has, has expressed surprise. He said, when I first got diagnosed and started writing about it, he was very surprised um, the extent to which I was struggling. I think, I think that's the biggest reaction. A lot of people have been surprised, especially about the social anxiety, because, well, I mean, I guess I do come across as shy, but I don't think anyone realized how much turmoil was going on beneath the surface. And that's probably true for so many people. But once I started talking about it, um, 
my family was super receptive. Like my dad and stepmom were super receptive and the other family members that have told me that they've read it. Um, my mom encourages me to write about it. And then in my in-law family, my mom-in-law, Jesse's mom, um, she works in healthcare and she's just a very compassionate and empathetic and, um, yeah, very loving person. And it doesn't feel like she's an in-law. It feels like she's another mom to me. So uh, she's probably the one I talk about anxiety and mental health with the most. We just have these amazing chats. So I have to say I have been super lucky with the major main people in my life being really receptive. I completely forgot to talk about Jesse. Jesse, my husband, has been the most the most supportive. He's the one who encouraged me to go to therapy. He's the one who helped me get over any fears and hang-ups about medication if because I wanted to try it. He makes sure that I have time to go to therapy, that the kids are taken care of and all that stuff. And he listens and follows my stuff, helps me talk it out. Um, yeah, I've been super lucky. I think that's probably been a big part of why I've been able to recover so much so quickly. At least I feel like I have. Um, has anyone close to you ever invalidated your anxiety? Okay, I'm going to give an answer that's going to sound like a trick answer. But it, yes, the person who has invalidated my anxiety the most is me um, for a long time because I used to be so hard on myself. I used to berate myself. And like one of the things I say now is you can't hate heal yourself. You can't hate yourself into recovery. And that's because I used to hate myself. I didn't realize I hated myself, but it came out in therapy that there was just this knot of self-loathing and self-hate deep inside and this feeling that everything I did was wrong and everything else flowed from that. I was like my starting assumption about who I was as a person was that it was bad and wrong and broken. So of course I invalidated my mental health. I invalidated everything about myself. This sounds really, really dark and heavy. Um, but that's gotten a lot better in therapy. I've learned to be compassionate towards myself and kind and once you start shifting that core belief from I'm bad, I'm broken, everything I do is wrong because I'm the one doing it. Once you shift that to I'm an, I'm, I'm just a person, nobody's perfect, I am good, I have these good qualities, I've just struggled with some stuff, I just need to learn the tools, it's, not a, it's nothing about me. You know, all, all those mindset shifts, um, it's become a lot easier to just accept where I'm at and accept who I am, but also accept that I still want to grow, if that makes sense. Okay, I think we only have two questions left. Yeah. How do you build up the courage to start therapy? Um, honestly, therapy just sort of came to me. I had been on medication for, I don't know, like seven years. I can't remember exactly. Through my family doctor. And I would see her regularly for refills and stuff. And after a, f well, after those seven years of being on medication and feeling stable enough to get through life, but still really struggling with anxiety and all those other things, it turned out, 
Eventually, she said to me, would you like to be referred to the Anxiety Treatment Center, which I didn't even know existed, and I didn't know it was covered by our healthcare, and I didn't know like there were programs, and I didn't know how many other people struggled with what I was struggling with. So anyway, I said yes. I didn't really know what I was saying yes to at the time. Ended up going through the process, getting the diagnoses that I talked about earlier, and then they said, we recommend uh, a CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Group, for social anxiety. It's 12 weeks, two hours a week. It starts in September. And I said, yes. <laughs> and and I think I had some sort of like bridging therapy. There was a psychiatrist at the center who met with me one-on-one -on -one to get me from the diagnosis to when the CBT was starting because there was there were a few months there and I was really, really struggling. And I'm forever grateful for that psychiatrist for seeing it and continuing with me and everything else started there and like once you're in therapy once you're in in with a center it's a lot easier to just be aware of everything else that's available all the other programs that are available so I guess I didn't really build up the courage I just felt desperate felt like something has to change and I will do whatever it takes to change because I can't go on like that um, yeah. And the last question is, did anxiety affect your dream job or life? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah. I feel like even now I would struggle to have a traditional nine to five job with lots of coworkers and lots of, um, pressure to perform. You know, I, I work from home. Mostly I'm a stay-at-home right now, uh, but the kids have started school, so I'm trying to get the freelancing stuff back up and running as much as possible. And that works for me because I find social interactions, especially professional social interactions, so very draining. Um, and just being afraid of people has absolutely stood in my way, even with the freelancing I do. It has made it hard to want to get on the phone with clients or hop on Zoom with clients. And the last couple of years, I haven't been working as much because I've been so focused on my mental health. And I have the privilege to be able to do that just because of how we've arranged our lives and our division of responsibilities and all that with, with like with my husband. So yeah, if I didn't have, let's say I didn't have social anxiety, I didn't have any of these struggles and I had all the tools and coping skills in my in my bag all along what would I be doing I don't know I really like the idea that I would be someone who was like side-splittingly hilarious and I could just make people laugh and also feel better about themselves at the same time that's not really a specific career but I could see myself doing something um like some sort of performance career or creative career but I'm trying now I'm trying to put myself out there I'm trying to make people feel like they're not alone trying to make people feel better about themselves and whenever I happen to do something that people get a laugh at I feel super validated and really good so I'm kind of playing catch up but making the best of it I'm, I'm trying to turn the struggles that I've had into advice for someone else to maybe save them some time on their journey. 
And that's the last question. I hope this was an interesting episode. It's a little bit different than any of the other ones because it's really just strictly questions. But that was episode 10. Again, thank you so much. I'm having so much fun. I'm going to keep podcasting. At some point, I want to start doing interview shows because I have some awesome ideas for guests that I want to get on here. But hashtag social anxiety. I'm dragging my feet on that. <laughs> um, if you're on Instagram, come say hey. Or you can send me an email. HeySadieHall at gmail.com. I would love to know who you are. I would love to know who's listening. Um, I can see the the listen, the play counts going up every week. And that makes me so happy. And I would just love to know who you are. So reach out. And if there's an episode topic that you'd like me to address, I absolutely will. Because right now I'm just sitting in my bedroom with my heating pad on my back, wrapped in a blanket, because I'm cold, by myself, looking at the questions. So um, this is very good practice for me, but I'm not just doing it for me. I really want this to be something that you benefit from. So let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And that's it. I will catch you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Anxious Creators Unite podcast. I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram at Hall and let me know where you are in your mental health or creative journey. Until next time, remember that it's okay to show up scared and show up imperfect as long as you're showing up. You've got this, and I'll see you next time. Bye!